It is Locked On Jazz for the 10th of May. What did we watch in Quinn Snyder's end-of-year presser? Was that a coach on the verge of leaving? Was that a coach revving up for another year? Or just simply a man with a hip surgery deciphering the season? I'm not sure, but one line did matter more than any other in the entire presser. Plus, is the sweet spot of finding players between 50 and 100? We'll discuss. It's all coming up on today's edition. Of locked on jazz. Pow. You are locked on jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice for the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen every single day. We are free and available on all platforms, usually live on YouTube around 7 o'clock in the morning if it's our regular schedule, and then available for you all day long. Please leave a comment. It can be simply just go Jazz or react to the pinned comment of the day. Today's pinned comment, do you think Quinn Snyder? will be back as head coach of the Utah Jazz. And uh, also available for you on all podcast platforms. If you'd like to leave a review and five stars, that would be much appreciated. So Quinn Snyder held his end-of-the-year presser, which was delayed because of his hip replacement surgery. He, stru- he, he came in on his crutches, modern, cool crutches, and sat down. And I'll be honest, for a quick moment, I was like, oh, this is it. I, Jim Olson was in the back of the room, the president of the team. Justin Zanuck was on the Zoom. Quinn was shaking a tiny bit as he started, which frankly was probably from the pain of the hip sitting down. Um, but as a moment, I was like, oh gosh, this is it. Um, and I thought for a brief moment that he uh, was was really about to resign, just about to say thank you. This has been amazing. My time is wrapped up and I'm moving on. That was actually like at the very first moment, there was just like a, there was, and, and I think I wasn't the only one who felt that because a bunch of people tweeted out um, when he answered Sarah Todd's question that he um, loved it here and then said to, to worry about his tents. And he talked about the school and the community that um, he'd made that comment. So um, there were a bunch of different things. I, I came home and I really was a little lost on, on what I had just seen. And I literally went through all my notes from the conversation, three pages worth of kind of comments and things like that. And um, and I was left feeling still a little bit and maybe just by that opening emotion that that could have been the final press conference by Quinn Snyder as a, as a coach of the Utah Jazz. I felt as though there was an element where he very subtly and calmly and tamely walked through his entire career just kind of to talk about it. Um, I don't think Quinn's at a point where he needs to justify anything that he's ever done or try to explain or try to prove that he's right. I think he's beyond that. But there has been a lot of criticism, and it's pretty impossible to live in a total fishbowl where you never hear that criticism. And he mentioned the multitude of adjustments they made on Maxi Kleba, and he ran through press conferences. You know, he ran through various adjustments that they made um, throughout the – the, the series, he actually even went back 
to kind of where the team was when he first started and that they played like this kind of gritty defense because they had a hard time scoring and the multitude of actions and talked about how the team evolved over his eight years and how they then went small and shooting. And at one point he coached the number one defensive team in the league and another point he coached the number one offensive team in the league, which, you know, I don't know if he meant it this way, but if you ever want to crush anyone who tells you Quinn Snyder can't make adjustments or schedule something, that's a pretty incredible. And he did say like, I, I bet you'd have a hard time finding another coach who's, um, been able to have the number one offense and the number one defense in that time period. Um, so I think that um, I, I thought it was interesting. I mean, he just kind of ran through um, all sorts of different things. Um, and he, and he did, he kind of walked through his, the, his entire career at, as I kind of went through my notes at the end, I suddenly realized that he had touched on, kind of every aspect of his eight years in the league. Now, this could just simply be a man who's just, you know, had a hip surgery, come off a playoff, and is just kind of just thinking back, deciphering what he's done, thinking about where it was. It, it These are, you know, it's crazy. Like, you, oh, I was clearly overthinking. Then Sarah Todd's article came out in the Deseret News, and Sarah Todd writes that it was a man who clearly is um, thinking about coming back for another year with the Utah Jazz. And I thought that was pretty interesting that here were these two people both sitting in the press conference, hopefully both with pretty decent brain power and completely at that moment in time. And I read Sarah's article and kind of completely agreed with what she had to say. Um, So my point is, I'm not sure what there was to decipher um, from yesterday. And I don't really know. Um, But I did have, that was kind of my gut was, you know, after running through all of it, um, what he, what there was, what he, you know, what his, he talked about jazz basketball, right? Multiple actions, moving the ball, ball movement, man movement. Um, you know, um, then he talked about how they evolved into a more shooting team. And if you have shooters, you actually don't want them cutting because you want them to be available for the shots. Um, and you know, then he talked about unselfishness, which I don't think this team represented this year. Um, you know, and then he talked about how when you start getting better offensive players, if you involve multiple guys into an action defensively, um, it makes it easier to defend because then they have multiple defenders around the person they're worried about. It was, you know, it was, it's as always with the case at the point, it was super interesting. Um, but anyway, so he does, he, he goes through all that and I'm left with that. So I'm not really sure as I sit here today, how to decipher it. I had my instinct, Laura, uh, Laura, Sarah has hers. And, um, you know, I think that, I think that, frankly, uh, they they both have merit and time will tell. I, I do think there was one line. There was one part of it I think you would be particularly interested in the most, and then there was one line that I thought was the most important. So let me start with the first point, which is um, the, what you were mad at and And it was interesting. He talked about the season, and he kind of just kept coming back to we needed a spark. We just needed a spark, which is also a little bit of a recognition of, well, why do you need a spark? Because you don't have a lot of juice. And he talked about an emotionally spent group from the Janu- from, from January and the COVID. He talked about the roller coaster that impacts a team. And then uh, as, as what the Jazz went through with COVID, I think with the off-the-court noise and all those different aspects of things. And I think when you, he talked about that, that you can see it on the floor. 
you know, running back impacts the team. Um, the emotional stress can wear a team out. He, he, he specifically mentioned January, but you could feel there was probably a little bit more um, to that conversation. And he just talked about how, you know, um, you just, your certain values you want to see on the floor. It's always challenged. It's challenged by your opponents, challenged by the game. It's challenged by the off the court. And, and so that was, I thought the, the thing that he kind of touched on and he just kept coming back to on probably two or if not three occasions that, um, you know, we just needed a spark. And you're wondering, like, what was Boyan shot actually the spark, right? Boyan spark shot wins game six. We, th- we, thought, the, we thought the spark was Donovan to Rudy's lob. Um, and frankly, that might have been the spark. And then Dallas is just super good. Um, and, and so that, I thought that was one, the one thing that me might be most interesting to you. Um, you know, the red line he said throughout this thing is that you're not satisfied that you're not satisfied um, with where you are. And that's, again, he went to just, we felt like we just needed an extra sauce, a little spice um, there uh, that he talked about. Um, and so that was kind of my um, my takeaway from that aspect of things. The one line that I thought was most important, I'll give to you next. And it's really the line that we should continue to have be as our driving force throughout all of our conversations um, throughout the week. Uh, And we'll touch on it. Today's show, a Tuesday edition of Locked on Jazz, is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street. Also located in Logan and in Linden. The Murdoch family's been in Utah for over 80 years and simply is a part of the community to the point in which right now the Murdochs have decided to not charge more than MSRP, even though they certainly could, and most people are on cars. There is a car shortage. you got to get over the lot. you got to see, test drive what you want, and then put in your order, and they'll arrive for you. It's kind of fun. Um, you almost get like a due date and a big arrival. It seems like it's kind of, you know, it's always fun to drive off the first day, but you can make this just as fun. Uh, the I'm driving the Sonata right now. That is a amazing sedan. Beautiful, sporty, great bells and whistles. Uh, the Elantra was the North American car of the year last year, and the SUV lineup is remarkable. Led by the Palisade is the big dog. The Kona is the small little zippy one. We own two of the Santa Fe's. And don't forget the Ionic Electric, because that car is out right now. It's all at Murdoch Hyundai, 4646 South State Street. Feel free, please, to email me first at DLock09. I'll set you up with a meeting. All right, NBA fans, are you looking for the daily fantasy option? Then it's Prize Picks because Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. You pick two to five players, an over under on their predictions, and you win up to ten times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected number. Entries can make be made in sixty seconds or less. It's easy. Prize Picks is safe, offers fast withdrawals. Use the award winning app on both the App Store and Google Play, and a great deal. Limited time. Prize Picks has an exclusive no brainer offer for you. If you users get $50 for free, if a player in your prize picks entry scores a single point, but you must use the code NBA, that's right. This is an exclusive offer available to Lockdown fans. So sign up today. Use the code NBA for $50 for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point. Thanks so much for tuning in to Lockdown Jazz today and making it your first listen. The Lockdown NBA Big Board, led by Rafael Barlow. It's getting you ready for the draft, plus a bunch of other draft experts. Great show, giving you all the things. Spencer Keel, I see you in the chat room. I think I've gotten a bunch of emails from you, um, and I don't disagree with much of what you're saying. I'll, I'll address them at some point on the show. It just hasn't hit my 
prep. It's in my prep and it hasn't hit the forefront of the show um, yet. So I, I do see you in the chat room um, and your roster reconstruction is pretty solid. We'll get, we'll try to get to that as the season goes on. Um, the, here was the line. And I think this is a super interesting, deep line. And I actually think it might determine that if everyone agrees on this is where the jazz move forward. And then if everyone doesn't necessarily agree on this, maybe this is where we end up moving, um, where Quinn does move on. And that is, what are you reacting to? He answered this in a question for Ben Anderson, and it was more about in-game adjustments. But I actually think this is maybe the key discussion piece of what the where the Utah Jazz are as a franchise and you know what it is we really have got to figure out to be able to progress and that is what are we reacting to so in one sense we're reacting to 27% three point shooting in a series on a team that was built around offense right like that's pretty simple are we reacting to a four or five year playoff Whatever. Back to the very first point we did a week ago, which was, who are we really? Like, are we reacting to a 70% win total team that suddenly only won 60% of the games? Or are we reacting to a 60% win percentage team who had an outlier year that pushed it to the nth degree and nailed it for, for a weird year in the middle of COVID with everyone having career years, and, and that was the peak. And and really, what we have is we have Rudy and Donovan to yesterday's show, who, depending on your rank, rank anywhere between 18 and 25th in the league or 10th and 21st on the average numbers from Andy Bailey. Uh, for those who listened to yesterday's show, I always have to remember that you assume that, no, that you didn't. Uh, we were looking at how players rank in the NBA. And at the beginning of the year, Rudy and Donovan ranked 18th and 25th in ESPN rank. And then uh, in average of all the various different metrics this last year, Rudy ranked 10th and Donovan ranked 21st. And the fact is that if you rank 10th and 21st for a whole season with your two best players or 18th and 25th, being the fifth seed and losing the first round is not that's not outlandish. That actually kind of fits. So the first, like, what are you reacting to was a comment Quinn made. And I just started putting stars all around it because that's the thing we have to figure out. What are we reacting to? And the first piece is like, just how good do we think we should have been? And in really with Donovan and Rudy, what, what do we think we are? And then let's build off that. Let's, let's figure out what the next step is. You know, are we reacting to all the noise? Are we reacting to three years of constant basketball because of COVID and exhaustion? Are we reacting to an absolutely, like, let's put it on the end, let's, let's push it all the way to the end. Are we reacting to a toxic environment that can't exist? Like, is there some internal, like, those are the things that, actually we as a as a podcast family can kind of discuss and try to figure out it's really what Danny Ryan and Quinn and Justin have to sit in a room together and decide and be on the same page moving forward 
And that to me, are we reacting to a league that is making someone like Rudy Gobert have a difficult time in the playoffs? Is that, is that something we're reacting to? Is that true? You know, are we reacting to, you know, Mike, simply Mike Conley having a strangely unusual drop in the playoffs. And I'm not trying to zero in on Mike, but quite honestly, he was great during the regular season and his, his, his fade in the playoffs is really, if you look at everything, the biggest kind of from here to here difference of any player on the team. Donovan's shooting is there, but Jordan's shooting's on the other side where he goes from here to here. So, you know, are we simply reacting? Are we reacting to the two six one guards is just too small? Like, what are the items that we're that we're truly reacting to? And what's so different, um, difficult about this is there's so many different pieces, so much noise. And as we talked about all last week on Locked On Jazz, and you're welcome to go back and get it, is it's hard. You want to just zero in on one thing we're reacting to, but I think you're reacting to a multitude of items. Um, you know, and so I think those are where where you sit. If you're, and that to me was the line of Quinn's press conferences. What are we reacting to? And Quinn and the coaching staff and the front office have to make sure they're all on the same page of what they are reacting to for this franchise to move forward. Um, and I don't have an easy answer. I, I do side from you know. I think from last week's conversation we touched on, I'm not sure that it's a 72% winning team, particularly without Joe anymore. I think that was kind of a peak. Number two, I think we're reacting to, there was a a malaise over the team. Um, and Quinn talked about needing a spark. I do. I think it needed a spark. It didn't, It what we weren't about to go get a, a $50,000 fine for, for bench celebration. That probably needs to be addressed. And that needs to be figured out. Like, is it, is the Donovan Rudy thing real or is the Donovan Rudy thing fabricated from the outside? And um, then the next thing is if we have 18 and 25, I think the next question is how do we go add another top 30, top 40, top 50 player? And, you know, if you look, Mike Conley was ranked 48th coming into the season. Statistically, he was 27th on the average play. So you actually have that during the regular season in Mike, but you also might say, you know, in reacting to that, having two six foot one guards in a league that keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and longer and longer. We're going to react to that. So um, an interesting, at least to me of where we sit 51 to a hundred players that rank 51 to hundred. I'm just going to share this next thing with you. I was obviously looking at all sorts of player rankings and things of that sort across the league. And excuse me, the thing that was so interesting is when I looked at ESPN's 51 to 100 player rank, how many players to me go from like 80 to 50 or 50 to out or 50 to, like it's all over the place. And I'll share that with you and makes me wonder if that's maybe the frugal ground by which you're trying to find your next piece of talent if you're the Utah Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by AG1. Let's have a sip of Athletic Greens this morning. There we go. Athletic Greens AG1 every morning. Why? Because it's lifestyle friendly. I'm not keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. But if you are, it works. 
contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, artificial, no artificial anything, and it tastes good. It gives you support, sleep better, recovery from mental clarity and alertness, and it uses the best of the best products based on the latest science uh, to consistent with all sorts of various things. It has over 7,000 five-star reviews for a reason. It costs less than $3 a day. So if you're thinking about going to the smoothie store or drink store and getting your $10 little drink, this is way cheaper than that. And it comes in a great little compartment and you get your all sorts of fun stuff. In fact, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NBA network. That's athleticgreens.com slash NBA network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance little athletic greens for you 75 high quality vitamins and minerals whole food source superfoods probiotics and all for you to start your day off right it's at athleticgreens.com slash nba network another sip of my athletic greens right there that's this is not the super cool container that this comes in this was some USANA thing I got somewhere along the way. Uh, today's show is also brought to you by betonline.net. For the latest in all your betting needs and sports info, find the latest odds, news, sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball playoffs, fights, and even more. Uh, next season, uh, the NFL futures are up as well. Bet online is your continued source of all your sport wagering information from live betting to playoffs to esports and more. Don't you all wish we you played the Derby? Love the Derby. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about trends and actions. Bet online, where the game starts. The Warriors have taken control of that series. That was a heck of a game last night. I it felt as though kind of somehow, some way, the Warriors were going to win the whole time, and then they just kept not doing it, and you were like, hmm. Right now, the Heat are minus 150 favorites in that series that's tied at two. The Suns are minus 255 still against the Mavericks. That series tied at two. Celtics are minus 205 against the Bucks now after their win. They're really missing Chris Middleton, and the, and the Warriors are minus 5,000. Um, as well, the favorite to win it all now is the Golden State Warriors at plus 180, followed by Phoenix at plus 325. That is betonline.net. Here is 50 to 100. And it's pretty interesting. And, you know, I could do a whole analysis of this, and I actually decided not. I, I started writing down notes, and I just thought it would be fun to scan through it. So here's Buddy Heald who did not have a particularly great year, got traded in Sacramento, was number 51. He was 87 the year before, and I think he'll be back to 87. Here's Anthony Edwards, who's vaulting. He'll be top 30, I would guess. That's a pretty big jump. Jeremy Grant went from 88 to 53. And I, you know, he puts up big numbers on a not very good team, but Sadiq Bey then went up, put the exact same numbers up. We'll see where he is. Then there's John Collins, who went from 84 in 2020 to 54 last year and probably might have stagnated a little bit with various injuries and things of that sort. But that's a huge jump. Clint Capella went from non-rated to 55. That's crazy. Fred Van Vliet went from 40th to 56, and I would guess this year will be in the 20s or 30s. He was an all-star. So massive movement. Anzo Ball went from 54 to 57. 
moved to Chicago, has the knee injury, probably pretty concerning. Gordon Hayward went from 45th to 58th and might be 90 at this point and maybe out with his injury. Uh, Colin Sexton went from non-rated in 2020 to 59 in 2021 on the NBA preseason rank. And then this year hardly played. I would guess he'll be in the 80s or 90s. The movement is Christian Wood went from 55th to 60 to maybe irrelevant. Uh, Jared Allen is on transcending from 96 in 2020 to 61 to he should be in the 30s this year. He was an all-star and had a massive impact on the season. Here's Joe Ingles, who went from 89 to 62, who will be off the list next year because of his ACL and also just wasn't playing well. D'Angelo Russell probably at this point in his career stays pat in the mid-60s. Bogdan Bogdanovich was probably stays consistent in the mid-60s. And here's Malcolm Brogdon, who went from 39th in 2020 to 65th, who then I'm not sure what people think of his last year. Um, under Rick Carlisle, it was kind of a weird year for Indiana. It's hard to judge players who are bad teams. Mikel Bridges went from not rated to 66 to skyrocket. And so we expect that with the rookies. That's not, you know, Anthony Edwards, Mikel Bridges. Bogdanovich went from 67 to 73. I think we would probably have him higher after this last season. I thought he was pretty good. I'd ends up in a similar spot um, overall. Spencer Dinwiddie, they had ranked frankly, as a better player than Boyan Bogdanovich for each of the last two years, which is kind of interesting when you think about the playoff series with Dallas. Dinwiddie was 68, Boyan 67, but the year before, Dinwiddie was 49th um, in the sense that that's probably each team's third or fourth best player in that series. Aaron Gordon probably hovers around here. Um, Kemba's done. Kemba goes from 48 to 70 to done. Jaron Jackson went from 43 to 71 because he didn't play much. I would guess is in the 30s, from 71 to the 30s. So he skyrockets back the other way. I mean, the the volatility here is just fascinating. OG Ananobi to me is on a is on a trajectory um, in a completely different realm than he was uh, before. He was hovering around the 70s. I thought he was brilliant this year. He jumped to 17 points a game. At times, they ran the offense through him. Um, his overall shooting was way down, but I thought he just had a much larger role and I thought took steps. Maybe teams will um, will leave him, you know, in that exact same spot for all we know um, from where he was. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton went non-rated 73 to skyrocketing, right? You can see those guys coming. Nurkic, 53 to 74 to probably dropping. Joe Harris, who knows with that injury. Uh, Cade Cunningham was a rookie, hard to tell. Andrew Wiggins went from non-rated to 77 to probably top 40s as an all-star and also just playing on a great team. That's one where I think every GM missed. Um, Minnesota was not only willing to give up Andrew Wiggins, but was willing to give up Andrew Wiggins and a pick. I mean, frankly, Andrew Wiggins would be perfect for us if we, you know, and yet he's a mercurial dude. You weren't sure what you were going to get. Who had a lot of zero rebounds, zero assist games in Minnesota, and you're pretty risky to go get him. And the Warriors believed that they could put him into a situation. He was overpaid. Frankly, the Warriors got for D'Angelo Russell. The Warriors went and got a, you know, another first round pick. That's that's a hell of a. Tr- Dylan Brooks, who I actually am not convinced is good, went from non-rated to 78 last year. He last night he killed them. Tim Hardaway Jr. injured most of the year. Here's Karis LeVert, who I actually think is going the other direction, 46 to 80. So can you find any player, Terry Rozier, non-rated to 81? I would guess Rozier's probably in the 50s this year. I think he had a pretty solid year. 
um, and I think has proven him, you know, switch backcourt mates. Um, this last year, his shooting numbers were about the exact same. He averaged 19 points a game for another year, five assists, a steal and a half. Um, remember, shooting numbers were down overall. So, like, if you look at a player, shooting numbers were basically the same. That's pretty good. So, there's one. There's like a Terry Rozier, I think, has gone from non rated to 81 to my guess would be in the 50s. Lori Markkinen went from non rated to 82 to probably in the 60s. Dave Murray went from 83 to probably in the 30s. Here, you you know, Darius Garland went from 84, non rated to 84 to probably in the 30s. John Wall's out of the league. Devontae Graham probably stays about where he is. Miles Bridges went from non rated to 87 to probably in the 50s or 60s. So you see in this realm here, Covington is Covington. Jordan Clarkson probably holds. Derrick Rose has been injured. Duncan Robinson goes from 75 to 92 to maybe out. He's not even playing in the playoffs. So this is, you know, it, who are these guys? Kevin Herter's on his on his rise. He will be the next of that Mikel Bridges group. Um, who are these guys that are in this realm that you might be able to go find somewhere? Um, Norman Powell went from non-rated to 100. He'll probably be in the 70s. So there are seemingly some players in that area that make a fairly substantial jump. Who are going to be those players that are ranked in there that we can go grab as 100 players, you know, 90 70, 80, 90 players, and then are going to be able to um, catapult into the 50s and maybe help us a little bit. The uh, So we'll see. Um, uh, Derek comments, yes, uh, I heard uh, Richard Jefferson commented on Sunday as the Suns-Mavs game that the National Commerce came on how the Mavs bench was up and cheering. The Suns bench was lifeless. Yes, I think so. Playing with pressure is hard um, right now. Um this is such an this is the general concept of a lot of people. We'll have to discuss this more. Rudy's a top 15 regular season player. You need to capitalize on the value of the trade of players who show up in the playoffs. He, here's what here's the idea that I keep hearing from people that I really think is the single most false item out there. And that's the idea that you're going to be able to trade Rudy or trade Donovan and get better. We might start a process, but I don't know how we're getting better. I don't see that. They're two of the top 17 players in the NBA at worst. And I don't think you're getting one of those 17 players in the league if you don't. And we talked about it yesterday. Like the teams that are left have top 10 players on their roster or top 15 at worst. Right? If you look at the average, Andy Bailey's average rank, every single team had a player in the top 10 except for Memphis, who has a 17. If you look at ESPN ranks at the beginning of the year, every single team that's still live had a top 16 player other than Memphis, whose top was at 31. Memphis is the outlier here. So someone better explain to me with something here. It might be the right move. Donovan and Rudy might be at their peak, and so a value. And so you might decide to do it. But I'll be flabbergasted. If we move Donovan and Rudy and get better immediately, like that's to me is the weirdest, weirdest concept. When you look at where the league is, we also have a guy who's pulled off the two greatest trades in the history, two of the greatest trades in the history of the NBA. So who knows what he might do? It is locked on jazz. Have a good one. We'll continue to talk about it as we move forward here 
on Locked on Jazz offseason of the Utah Jazz. Thanks very much for making Locked on Jazz the first listen. Go grab Locked on today for your recap of the NBA or Locked on NBA big board for your draft news. See you.